Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good to us? If you have your Bibles, if you would, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is part two of a sermon we began last week. and It'll run one more week. Our title is Saul's Moods in David's Music. Saul's Moods in David's Music. And we're reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And Samuel went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented and harassed him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command His servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, and you'll feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp and he's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well, he's fine looking, and the Lord is with him. Jumping to verse 23, And whatever the Spirit of God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. And then relief or refreshing would come to Saul. And he would feel better in the evil spirit we leave him. Father, we thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and help us to understand and be equipped today that we might walk in a fuller measure of victory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Saul's moods in David's music. When God rejected Saul, he allowed an evil spirit to harass him and to torment him. That led to a suggestion that a skillful musician would come to soothe the king's spirit. And of course, this is one way that God opens the door for David to have access, access and education to the, um, to the court that he would need down the road. We have three main thoughts. Last week we covered the first one, and it was really a warning. It was a warning, and number one was the intruding spirit, the intruding spirit. And really, it was a warning from the life of Israel's first king. He lost his crown. We read last week from Revelation 3 where Jesus, he warned the church at Philadelphia. He said, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so no one will take your crown. Saul lost his crown. But we want to keep our crown and keep our walk and keep our victory in the Lord. King Saul is a warning here. He started so good, yet he fell so low. And we learned as we studied just briefly from his life that we cannot escape unscathed or unaffected. When we choose to live disobedient and disregarding the clear commands and word of God, we cannot ever escape unscathed by making excuses for our behavior. We also learn that it is possible to forfeit spiritual privileges and lose spiritual power and passion, spiritual life, if we're careless and negligent in our spiritual walk, in spiritual devotion. It's not an automatic thing. Paul said, Timothy, you've got to keep the fire burning. 
Old ashes might have burned brightly yesterday, but they're not going to heat anything up today. Can you say amen? Amen. We emphasized from the first point last week that you and I, if we're to be people after God's own heart, if we're to be those that please the Lord and walk close to God, we must stay tender and we must stay true before the Lord, striving to live obedient and faithful lives. And if we do miss the mark, if we do stumble and fall, because that happens to everyone in some way or another, if we do miss the mark, we must be quick to take ownership and responsibility and honestly and quickly draw near to that throne of grace and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. I'll change and I'll turn. And if we do those things, we found out God who is so rich in mercy. Tell your neighbor, He's rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. You don't got to cover it up. You can be clean. You don't got to make excuses for it. You can be delivered from it. We serve a God whose throne is called a throne of grace and He's rich in mercy. And if we come with an honesty and a sincerity to confess it and turn from it, He will cleanse us and He will restore us and He will revive us and He will renew that joy of our salvation and He'll give us a new beginning. Can you say amen? He's a God of new beginnings. If you stumbled, you don't got to stay down. If you strayed, you don't got to stay out there just meandering, making excuses. You can come back and get in step with God. You can come back and be on fire again for God. All it takes is a sincere surrender and a confession. And God, who is rich in mercy, will cleanse you afresh, restore, renew, and get you back in the victory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah. We learned from Saul. We learned from... It was a warning from a great king who started out so well and finished so pathetically. And he didn't have to. And if you're not the where you should be, you don't got to stay that way. You can get strong in God. and You can finish victoriously in God. Hallelujah. But then number two, number two, and this is where we're at this morning. The revelation. We saw a warning. Now, here's a revelation. And we call this the interesting suggestion. Verses 15 and 16. We see how an evil spirit from God was tormenting the king. And they said, um, King, why don't you command us to go find someone that can play the harp? Someone that has an anointing of music. So they can come and play when this evil spirit attacks you. And you'll feel better because that anointed music will bring relief to that afflicted soul. It's a revelation. Get a musician. Get someone that can play with the touch of God. And it'll bring relief and refreshing and deliverance to those that are heavy and discouraged and oppressed. And here we'll expound on the precious truth that music does minister and there is power in our praise. There's an interesting suggestion. Verses 15 and 16. And then we see in verse 23 it did work. It worked. For when David came, and when David played, the Bible says, and Saul was helped, and relief came to Saul. King Saul's disobedience and his refusal to acknowledge his disobedience brought the discipline of God into his life. God took away the anointing that he had to carry out his task, and instead God allowed an evil spirit to harass and oppress and come upon him, just afflicting him. 
the king's rebellion brought the discipline of the Lord. It still does. That'll never change. He still disciplines those that he... That was so weak. He still disciplines those that he... Does he love you? That means he'll discipline you. Get on there. He'll discipline us. Anyone, any parents in the house today? Any parents? You love them, you discipline them. Can you say amen? It's the same principle. It's the same principle. And even in this, it was God's way of trying to wake up the king. Even in this, it was God's way of trying to get the king's attention. He had tried through the prophet. He had tried through other circumstances. No, go. God is rich in mercy. But the level of his dealings will increase in a response if we're not responding. So that's why it's always better when God begins to deal. Stay tender. Stay sensitive. Respond quickly and get things right. Hallelujah. So there's a suggestion. Find an anointed musician to help out the king. You see, the Lord really does use his music, his praise, his worship to minister. Anointed music does minister both to God and to man. Now, before we get deeper into that, just a quick side note. Dr. Jeremiah wants to remind us this was really the band-aid, not the real solution for King Saul. Now, the servant's idea worked to a degree, but maybe someone close to him should have said, Hey, King, since um, it's an evil spirit that's bothering you, maybe you just ought to repent and make peace with God and get things right. Take care of the reason for your dark cloud. Oh, 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 Lord, have mercy. Dr. Jeremiah goes on. He says, His servants sounded like the humanistic counselors of our own day who tell people how to cover up their problems, redefine their problems, um, justify their problems, so that it doesn't hurt. But they fail to help people deal with the root of their problems. Now back to the music. (laughs) Anointed music, God-exalting music can really minister to us. Music is a powerful tool. And if our purpose is to glorify God, which it is, then one of the ways we do that is through the praise and worship of our music. That's why it's important. Don't lose your song. Don't let life steal your joy. Don't neglect your praise. Don't neglect your praise. He's worthy of it. Don't neglect your praise. There is a power both in that um, personal and corporate music to glorify God and, and to encourage the people of God and to disperse and defeat the enemies of God. Just think of how it ministers to us as we worship together, or as someone sings a beautiful song and the anointing's on it, and it touches our hearts, or we sing some of these powerful hymns, and it stirs our faith, and it comforts our hearts, and it restores our focus back to the glory and the greatness and the mightiness of our God. It reminds us of His goodness. It reminds us of His power. It reminds us of His great love for us, and we can get done singing, and we've glorified Him, but we've also been renewed and refreshed in our own heart. Godly music, anointed music, glorifies God. In fact, it is, number one, a weapon of our warfare. For we are engaged in a conflict the Bible teaches. The Bible clearly teaches, as Christians, we fight a spiritual war, and we fight it using spiritual weapons. Weapons of righteousness, Paul calls them. So it's important for everyone 
but specifically for the young believer. It's so important, young believer, to develop not only your prayer life, but your praise life. There's two things that praise is going to do. And now you don't have to praise God. You don't have to make it part of your walk with God. But you'll be neglecting the benefits that it brings. Can you say amen? Oh, the old preacher went to his dentist and, and he was an old kind of set in his ways. And the dentist said, you need to floss. He didn't want to floss. And finally the dentist said, now listen, preacher. Let me just tell you like this. You don't have to floss. Amen? You don't have to floss. You just floss. Whatever teeth you want to keep, you floss. <laughs> and if you don't want, you don't have to. But if I don't do it, I'm going to lose the benefit that it brings. What about praise and worship? Why is it so important that a young believer, as they come to Christ and they learn how to develop themselves spiritually to be strong and be victorious in this walk with God, not only we develop a prayer life, but a praise life. Because number one, don't ever forget this, praise is an important part of our spiritual development and maturity. Because one of the ways we commune and communicate with God, one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways that God has given us is through our praise and our worship and our song. Communication is a healthy part to any relationship. You can ask the counselors, Christian, secular, you name it. Couples are in there, and some of them actually love one another, but they're having problems, they're always going through it, and they peel back the onion. It comes down to big revelation. They have problems in communication. And when you can't communicate properly, it has a negative effect upon any relationship. There's no sharing. There's no clarity. There's no proper encouragement. Oh, my Lord. And one of the things that helps us in our Christian walk is one way we do commune and communicate with our Heavenly Father is through our praise and our worship and expressing that love in song and declaring His greatness in song. It has an important part with helping us to grow spiritually, and to mature in our Christian walk. But secondly, another reason it's very important, young Christian, develop not only your prayer life, but your praise life, because our praise will be a main part of our spiritual weaponry to help us keep the victory and overcome the enemy. Can you say amen? If you walk in the Bible, and you love your Bible, and you believe this Bible is God's Word to us, instructing us and teaching us, teaching us how to live and how to live victorious as more than conquerors, then you can't get away from the fact we're called to put on the armor of God. We're called to wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we're called to understand that the weapons of our warfare, they're not earthly, but they're spiritual. But those weapons, if used properly, will bring the victory. will disperse the enemy. will bring us through that storm. will give us strength to climb that mountain. will stabilize us when hell's trying to knock us off our game. There is power in your praise. It's one of the very important weapons God has given you to overcome the darkness, to reject the heaviness, and to walk in the victory. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. The power of praise. It does have power to break heaviness and disperse darkness. It has power to roll back confusion. It has power to release refreshing and renewing the reins of heaven. That's why the prophet wrote to us in Isaiah that when Messiah comes, when Jesus comes, He'll give a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, 
For when heaviness tries to weigh you down, to afflict your soul, to play games with your mind and steal your joy, attack it with praise. Attack it by releasing a proclamation of the goodness and the greatness of your God and expressing your confidence in the Lord by singing unto Him who is worthy and honoring and blessing His holy name. The Bible teaches from the very beginning that what we do in the spiritual realm will affect what's going to happen in the natural realm. And one of the ways we get the victory up here is through the song of the Lord and through the praise and exaltation of our God. There is power. Yes, there is. Now, such praise reminds me of that wonderful story from the book of Acts. Most of you remember that. Paul and Silas there in Acts 16. They're in the city called Philippi. And they're there preaching the gospel. And God uses Paul to set a, a hurting young girl free from demonic possession. But because of that, they get arrested, they get beaten, they get bloodied, they get thrown into the inner cell, their feet are put in the stocks, and it's a terrible, terrible ordeal. They get all that because they were obedient to God, and here they are, they're in the inner cell, and midnight comes, and they're bleeding, and they're hurting, and they're sore, and midnight comes, and Paul says, hey, Silas, how about we praise the Lord a little bit, brother? What do you think? What do you think? And Silas kind of looks at him like, are you crazy? I'm, I'm bleeding. I want to call my congressman. I don't want to go no him sing right about now. And, and, and instead, no, no, no. I mean, Paul, I could hear him. He says, come on now, Silas. Let's bless the Lord. I know things didn't work out the way we thought, but God's going to bring us through. Let's bless the Lord. No, Silas, now listen, I know, I know things aren't like we thought they were going to be and we didn't see this coming, but our God's still in control. He brought us through the last mess. He'll bring us through this one. So let's just bless Him. Let's just glorify Him. Let's give the devil a black eye. We don't have to be His punching back. We'll punch back with praise. Can you say amen? They praise the Lord. They worship Him. They give Him thanks. And the midnight hour of my Lord, they said, we're not going to let the chains of our circumstances corrupt us or callous us or control us. We choose to set the temperature of our lives. And we choose by praising Him in the good times and in the bad. When we're hurting and when we're feeling great. Because praise is a weapon. And praise gives a power. And praise releases a working and inspiration of the Spirit to minister not just in my circumstance, but but more importantly, in my heart, in the midst of the circumstance. So they begin to praise God and worship God. You know the story. An earthquake hit. Their chains fell off. The prison doors opened. Man, the jailer even got saved. Oh, what a day, what a day. All because they made a choice. I'm going to praise Him in the good times. I'm going to praise Him in the bad. I'm going to praise Him when I feel like I can hit every note and a few that haven't been hit yet. I'm going to praise Him when I feel like a frog and I can't even... <laughs> And I can't do that. But I'm going to worship the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. They blessed Him. They praised Him. You know the story. Hallelujah. There's results and power and influence that is released through the precious praises of God's people. Powerful story. Powerful story. Let's look at verses 25 and 26, Jimmy. Hallelujah. About midnight. About midnight. Is it about midnight in your life? About midnight, you can praise Him. About midnight, you got to make a choice. You're going to curse God or you're going to praise God. 
You're going to give in to the sorrow and the belly aching? Or are you just going to fix your eyes on Jesus and be bold? I dare so. And get bold in your faith. Go ahead and praise Him. Glory be. We've missed it in the younger generation. We've made worship an object of worship. And worship should be God is the object of our worship. And we've made a worship experience as if I'm the most important person in the worship season. I'm not the most important person. God is the most important person. So I can be happy that we sang my songs, my ways. But if God isn't pleased, I've just wasted Oh, Can you say amen? Side note. Well, just leave that for another day. But you can't worship worship. We worship the God that's worthy of our worship. And He has given us instructions and examples of how to do that in a way that He's pleased with in the Word of God. But if I create worship just because I want to be happy, I've made me God. That's a terrible thing. That's stepping in in a holy area. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. Hallelujah. And the other prisoners were listening. You know, somebody's listening to you when you're going through it. You've been talking about how great your God is, and you've been bragging about how awesome Jesus is. And, you know, when things are good, it's one thing. Then when things are bad, they watch them. We're going to see what kind of religion they got. It says other prisoners are listening to him. <laughs> Someone's listening. Someone's watching. But as they praise God, the Bible says suddenly. <laughs> hey, you're suddenly is coming. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the doors opened. They flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. Oh, wow. Listen, let's bring it right down. Maybe literal chains don't always fall off when we praise the Lord. But I can tell you from the authority of God's Word, chains of bitterness and chains of hopelessness, chains of discouragement and despair, they will begin to give way and melt away and break off when the child of God exercises their power and their privilege of praise. Because as they praise the Lord and they honor the Lord and they give God thanks regardless, it releases the power of God's Spirit to really begin to roll back the darkness, to really lift off that heaviness. It, it, it releases the power of the Spirit of God to resist the enemy, but also to welcome in a fresh measure of the Comforter and the Prince of peace and that inner grace that enables us to go through it and not be consumed by it. To go through it even if God doesn't give us an answer overnight. But we can still stay sweet. We can still stay with the victory because we've chosen not to allow the chains of bitterness and discouragement and the hurt that comes from disloyalty and all those other things. Instead of allowing that to be our tone and to contaminate our hearts, we'll bless Him and we'll Praise Him. And in the midst of it all, He will work in our lives. He'll work right here. And then He'll begin to work in the outer core. Can you say amen? amen. Such praise brings a freedom to the heart that life's trials cannot defeat or deny. It's when that alabaster jar is broken that the fragrance is spilled out. You know, one of my favorite stories from that Old Testament goes back to old godly King Jehoshaphat. 
He was another one that shows us the importance of praising God even when we're facing situations that don't look uh, very um, promising. When we're facing situations that could turn out to be very negative, but yet we make a choice. We choose to trust God. And when we trust God, we praise God. And when we praise God, God is moved by that. The heart of the Father is touched when His children praise Him even when it's not an easy thing to do. And it moves His heart to intervene. He says the eyes of the Lord, they range throughout the earth. He's looking for someone whose heart is committed. God says, I'm watching my children. I see the blood on your life, but I'm looking for those that will really use their faith in hard times. Those that will dare to praise me, even when it's not easy to praise me. Because they are the ones that I draw near to in a special measure, in a special dimension. Because my heart has been blessed by the honesty of their praise and the sincerity of their worship and I draw near and I'll work and I'll fight on their behalf. It's a wonderful story. Oh, King Jehoshaphat, he's such a godly king. He's a blessed king. He's so blessed by God that he didn't realize that the enemy's half a mile down the road and three foreign armies had aligned themselves to attack and overwhelm the kingdom of Judah. As soon as this king hears he's a godly man, he calls a prayer meeting. He calls the people to fast. He called the young. He called the old. And they began to seek God. It's a beautiful prayer. I don't read too many prayers, but that's a prayer I like to read. He knew his covenant. He knew his history. He knew the greatness of his God. He ends up his prayer. Lord, we know not what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, we're in a mess, but you're greater than this mess. The enemy's going to chew us up, but you're our defender. You're our shield. You're the glory and the lifter of our head. And they cried out to God, and the Bible says that in the midst of that prayer meeting, the Spirit of the Lord came down and it came upon one of the Levites and he began to prophesy, Thus saith the Lord. Hmm. Look at verse 15. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Chronicle. Here we go. Listen all, you of Judah, you inhabitants of Durant, and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you. Woo! Somebody say to me. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of that great multitude, for the battle's not yours, the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah! This is beautiful. Here they are, they're outnumbered, they're outwhelmed, they're caught off guard, they know not what to do but cry out to God, and the prophetic word comes, the promise of God comes, I've heard you, don't be afraid, but the battle's not yours, the battle's mine, and then God will go on these next few verses, he says, now you go out there and face them. You see, you can't run away from life, you gotta face life with faith, you gotta face life with confidence in the Lord, we're not here to run, we're not here to stick our heads down like the first church of the ostrich, Uh uh-uh. We are people that are armed with the Spirit of God. We hear the promise of God and then we move forward in the faith of God. We hear the promise of God and we move forward in the faith of God. For the prophet said, now you go out there and face them, but you're not going to have to fight the battle. you got to face them, but I'm going to take care of your enemy. You must face them and walk forward, but I will be the one that fights for you. I will be the one that throws confusion into the camp 
step of your enemy and I'll defend you and I'll hold you and I'll bring you through to victory. It's a beautiful thing. They receive the Word of God's promise and immediately the king just falls on his face to worship and to praise. And then the Levites began, the Bible says, they praised with a loud voice. That's in the book. They praised with a loud voice. They shouted and they declared their trust in God. Oh, it's beautiful. Enemy's still out there. They're, 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 they're still about two miles from destruction. God didn't give them a sign. God didn't say, oh, no, no, no. All they had was that promise. You see, this is how you respond to a promise. Ah, I know God said, but when I see how oh, they didn't see anything. All they did is heard the Word of the Lord. Go ahead to 20 and 21. After they got done with this, they praise and the next day comes. All right. And when the, the king had consulted with the people, King says, we are so confident that God will do what He said He will do. That we're not going to put the seals first or the tanks first. We're going to get the singers and let them lead the way. If God don't come through, we're dead. Amen? But you know what? We're going to trust God. We're going to trust Him so much. We're going to, see, we're going to praise Him before the victory, not just after the victory. Anybody can praise Him after the breakthrough. He says, praise me before the breakthrough. Amen? I remember old brother Dave Wilkerson wrote an article so many years ago about the Red Sea crossing. He called it the, the right song on the wrong side. Amen. They had a hallelujah time. Remember Miriam and the tambourines and the women, they all doing the jig. Um, after, after the victory, he said they should have done it before the victory when God spoke the promise, but instead of hallelujah. But here they go. When they had consulted the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, they were saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. Someone says that, oh man, that's enough. Praise the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. And now when they began to sing, when they began not to complain, when they began not to compromise, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord. It's amazing, isn't it? Not before. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people. They got into confusion. They were defeated. They turned on one another. Oh, what a thought. This is a way to respond to the promises of God. We're going to march on and face life, but we're going to declare the goodness of our God every step of the way. And we're going to praise Him because we know and believe He will take care of us. and He will bring us through. This, this story is beautiful because the real warriors on this occasion, they, they, they weren't the soldiers in the army, but they were the singers in the choir. Man, that's my kind of praise team. And as they praised the Lord, God fought for them. They didn't have to call fire down from heaven. They didn't have to rebuke some spirit over here or tell God what to do over there. They just lifted Him up. They just focused on the Lord. They gave Him a sincere, wholehearted praise. They thanked Him for His faithfulness. They rejoiced in His omnipotence. They worshipped Him in the beauty of holiness. And God brought the enemy into confusion. And God brought His people into victory. You see, there's power in praise. It has an effect. It has an influence on our lives and in our situations, in the spiritual realm. And God intends that this weapon of praise be used today to release His power on our behalf, on your behalf. There are times 
for prayer and intercession. And we know that we preach that we're praying people here. But there are also times for warfare through praise. When we just praise and God fights for us. When we just rejoice and God goes to battle on our behalf. Someone says, I've tried to do everything. Have you tried praise? One of my favorite stories that comes from outside the Scripture was a dear lady in one of my churches. She was on my board for a season. An older lady. and She told me a story. She said, Pastor, I had a wayward daughter. All my kids want one daughter. was just wayward. Out there partying, out there living crazy, doing drugs, etc., etc. And I felt so bad. I felt so guilty. And one day God spoke to me and said, Mary... Stop trying to buy her love and just praise me. She goes, see, Pastor, I've tried to buy her things. I felt so guilty because we went through a divorce with the husband and I thought maybe if I just bought her enough things, she'd, you know, she'd turn around, stop living so crazy and you know, just get back to acting like the rest of the kids. And, I just, and finally I said, Mary, stop trying to buy her love and just praise me. She said I, she owned her own business. She goes, so I took two, three days off. And I just said, it was hard. It was hard. Uh, my heart was heavy. My soul was guilty. And I just began puttering around the house, half crying, half dusting a little here and dusting a little there. And I just began to praise Him. Day one, day two, things got a little bit of breakthrough. Praise, praise, praise. She goes, but Pastor, she goes, after three days, I see her finger pointing at me. After three days, she wagging a little bit. There was a knock on my door. And it was my little girl. Standing there with tears in her eyes, saying, Mama, can I come home? Will you let me come home? I want to leave that crazy life. I want to get things right with God. Oh, what a beautiful thought. It's as if God says to us at times, you just praise and I'll work. You praise me and I'll work in your situation. There is a time to pray, but sometimes God puts it in our hearts, just praise me, just declare my goodness, just express your confidence in me with songs of praise and worship. And as you praise, I will work. After three days, she said, I hadn't talked to her in two or three weeks. There had been no communication in weeks. And as I prayed, and God said, just praise me, Mary. Stop trying to buy her. Stop trying to just praise me. And after three days, that knock, I'll never forget it. She said, Pastor, there she was. She came back to God. She came back to the family. She never backslid. She'd been living for God. She'd been successful in life. All because God said, praise me. And God answered the praise. The weapon for our warfare, it makes a difference. Secondly, it's an instrument of our ministry. It's an instrument of our ministry. The power of praise is an instrument that ministers not only to God, but it ministers to men. It ministers to God. That's why God in the Bible has given us instruction on how to please and honor Him. And one of the ways we do this is by worshiping Him through song, by singing praises unto Him. God delights and God has designed and God desires us to worship Him through song, to praise Him and to honor Him by declaring His goodness. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. And, and look at Psalm 100. There's so many verses. Praise and worship. You can, take a, you can take a whole semester class in college just on praise and worship. So we just got to go through this quick. But shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. I mean, the Word of God says, hey, hey, shout to God. Express your praise to God. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. When you come to church, it's a celebration time. It's a time to rejoice in the goodness of God and exalt the One that is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Worship 
worship the Lord with gladness and come before Him with joyful songs. Our songs ought to, there'll be joy in the camp. Can you say, man? Hey, we're going to heaven. We got a peace that passes understanding. Regardless of what we're facing, we know this world's not our home. We're just passing through. We're on the victorious side. So hey, we're going to worship the Lord with gladness. We're going to come before Him with joyful songs that exalt Him. Ha ha. Know that the Lord is God. He's God and He's worthy of praise. Amen? We praise everything else. We praise perverts in this generation. Say amen. You pay a $50, $100 ticket to watch some vile person gyrate and sing songs that worship the devil's crowd. But the Lord is God. I said the Lord is God. It's He who made us. We are His. We're His people. Sheep of His pasture. Hallelujah. Therefore, we're going to enter His gates with thanksgiving. You know, there's a proper way of approaching. There's a proper protocol when you're coming before a great King and a mighty God. He says, enter my gates with thanksgiving. You express your thankfulness. I gave you another week, didn't I? Another thankfulness. I could have left you in your sins, couldn't I? Go ahead and thank me. Go ahead and thank me. You're not what you used to be. Go ahead and thank me. I brought you through things that you didn't deserve to be brought. Thanksgiving in His court with praise. Give thanks to His name and praise that name. Here it is, verse 5. For the Lord is good and His love and His mercy endures forever and His faithfulness through all generations. The Bible instructs us be a people that praise Him. One of the important things we do when we gather in His, in his name on His day is to sing songs that exalt Him and honor Him and express our gratitude to Him. Look again at Psalm 92, 1 and 2. Psalm 92, 1 and 2. Hallelujah. It is good to praise the Lord. It's good. If you find it boring, you're out of touch with God, man. I'm just telling you. That's according to the Bible. I'm sorry. Find an altar. Pray through. You're not where you need to be. It's good to praise the Lord. It's not a waste of time. It's not a preliminary. Oh, I get the prophet spirit on me. No, I don't care. And no matter what your age is, and there's different styles and different fragrances, there's different expressions, there's different songs. There's all, we all know that. We're not getting into style and that silliness. But my Lord, if you're saved, you ought to love to sing songs of praise. Sister Porter told me, Glory, I'll never forget that story. You and, and Sister Brown, your, your grandparents, I think it was, back when they come, they used, we used to come out of the Baptist and them and get Pentecost. Now we're going the other way. But anyway, um, well, they, 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 they came over here when it was just a pavilion. Am I right? It was just a pavilion and they came in a horse and buggy. Here's the history of this church. And the praise was so loud that they got over there in the horse and buggy and they could hear the praises. They could hear it just, you could hear it down the road, but there was such a praise and a shout and a glory and a rejoicing right here. This place, if you don't know the history, before it was an actual building, it was a big pavilion and people would just come and they'd have camp meetings and they'd worship God and the praise was so loud. They heard about it and they said, my Lord, the power of God's moving. Let's leave the deadness. Let's go see what's happening on the horse and buggy. I got down the street. And they could hear it. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Whew. I said, it's good. To pray. It, says, it says it's good. It says it's good. It says it's good. That means it's proper, it's fitting. It's good to praise the Lord. It's good to make music to your name. Oh, most high. What's that next one? To proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness in the night. My Lord, morning and night. 
Give Him praise. Give Him glory. Worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Music, anointed praise, anointed music is an instrument of our ministry that ministers to God. And what we do is all scriptural. The singing the songs, the lifting of the hands, expressing adoration and surrender, it's all biblical. The clapping of hands, it's all biblical. The rejoicing and at times, the dance of rejoicing, it's, all, it's in the book, it's in the book. The praying and the singing of the Spirit, it's in the book. It ministers to God. God's been good to me. I deserve hell. So do you. Am I right? And there's not a lot that He asks us to do clearly. He's not asking for a lot of martyrs. There are seasons in church history where that happened. But for the most part, what's He asked of us? Seek first my kingdom. Walk humbly before me. Praise me. Honor me. Exalt me. Sing unto me. Lift your hands of praise and adoration. That's not a whole lot for all He's done. It's really not a whole lot for all He's done. Come on. Am I right? God, anointed ministers to God and to man. You know, that's why it ministers to man. And we all can testify of this. How we've been in services. And through song, God spoke to us. Through an anointed, not message, but music. The Spirit of God touched our hearts. It might have been congregational singing. It might have been a solo. We've all been there. We've been there. We can look back where the presence of God is just swept in. That's why it's important if you're on the praise and worship team, you live holy and you live faithful. You stay full of the Spirit so you can be a vessel God can flow through. Because God uses music. David's being used to bring relief to a backslidden king because there's an anointing on music when there's a holy anointed vessel that it can flow through. I can remember years ago, I must have been 20 years old, back home, you know, in the north, you got a ranch house, you got a nice finished basement downstairs. The basements are really nice. And put another TV room. My bedroom was down there. And I'm back from college, and I'm getting ready to go to church in the morning. My bedroom is in the back, and had another little TV room on the side. And all of a sudden, John Starnes comes on. And he begins to sing, Holy, holy, holy. I'm telling you, I can feel it now. 30 plus years ago. Spirit of God filled the basement. I stopped in the middle of getting dressed and I was drawing a coffee table. It became an altar. I can still say, I'm 20 years old. I'm weeping. And the pre- it's like a cloud came down as that anointed vessel began to sing about the holiness of God. And oh, what a fresh revelation came to me about the holiness and awesomeness of God. Why? This music ministers. And that's why it's important that those that are served of God be holy vessels that God can really flow through. I'll never forget in college, we had one of those teams that would go out, a couple of um, um, staff members and two or three students, and they'd go out doing that quartet stuff. Amen? Singing that quartet. they go to different churches. They came back one time. They said, man, what a testimony. They would finish up their concert with that wonderful song, um, um, well, uh, Don't Give Up on the Child of God. Remember that one? They'd say that's how they finish their concert. Every church they'd go to. That song, Don't Give Up on the Child of God. Remember that one? Don't Give Up on the Child of God. He'll be there when the battle's over. Mm. 
He'll make it through the storm, find his way through the darkest night. Don't give up on the child of God, because he's the one that God is keeping. So don't give up. Don't give up on the child of God. They say we, we sang that our final song, open the altar. First one down to the altar is the preacher, ball in his squad, the pastor. He's the first one down to the altar. And they a powerful time as we're loading up the van, getting ready to drive back to campus. Preacher comes out and says, guys, thank you for that song. I was getting ready to quit on Monday. Had my, had my resignation letter, my, my I quit letter, whatever you call it. He said, I had it ready and I was going to give it in. But as you sang, God spoke to me. As you spoke about a God, oh, a God that cannot fail, a God that brings His people through. You spoke to me and God spoke to me through your song and God told me it's not time to quit. He's not done here yet. He's going to move these mountains. He's going to do something fresh here and I'm, gonna, I'm not quitting. I'm going to trust God and believe God. Thank you for singing the Gospel. Thank you for declaring the Gospel through song. It got through to me. What my devotional time wasn't getting in. What the other sermons I heard wasn't getting in. Through your anointed voices and the music that declared the greatness and the faithfulness of our God, God spoke to me. Power of music. It could be solos. It could be congregational singing. We said last week, how many times you get out, oh, we've got them on the board now. I'll say that hymn book, and Great is Thy Faithfulness. And we begin to sing and praise, and we're ministering to Him. And then He begins to minister to us. We're ministering to Him, singing about all oh, oh, summer, winter, and springtime, harvest, good times and bad. God, You've been faithful. God, You've been faithful. And we're singing and declaring the greatness of our God. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord begins to remind you how He's been faithful to you, all the things He brought you through. And all of a sudden, here you are. You're ministering to God. And now the Holy Ghost is ministering to you. Oh, my Lord. Anointed music. Anointed music. Hallelujah. Anointed music. I'll go to that next one. Go to that next one. I'm winding it down. Hallelujah. Oh, not only is anointed praise in music, and there's a whole series where I'm condensing it, so just give me a little couple minutes here. It is a weapon in our arsenal. The Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches that. It can give you victory. It's one of the things God used to give you victory. Yeah, and woman, the devil hates when Jesus is exalted. Oh, darkness hates it when the name of the Lord is lifted up. But also, it's, a, it's an instrument of our ministry. It's one way that we minister to God. And isn't that an awesome thought? That we can minister to Him? And one way we do it is through loving Him and expressing that love through song. But it also ministers to us through the solos and through the special songs and through congregational singing. Anointed music ministers to us. Man, there's been many a times. I hear a song, I, you, know, you can't even see the road after a while. Tears flood. almost have to pull over. Amen? Oh, but it's why that song is just touching you. The song, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're struggling with something, struggling with something. All of a sudden, you know, you're reading the Bible, nothing, didn't get nothing out of it. Listen to that sermon, didn't get nothing out of it. You're driving in the car and a song comes on. Oh, my Lord. Wow. Oh, there's a uniqueness when the good news is communicated through anointed song. It has an ability to to penetrate the heart and to speak to us that sometimes just don't get done. But number three, it's also a spiritual thermostat. Anointed praise and worship attracts 
and increases the presence of God. God finds it, as God's commanded it, attractive. We touched on that last week. There are certain sounds, scents, certain visuals that are unattractive. And they make you, right? There are others that are very attractive that draw you to them. And that's right. You can smell, oh, that's that's pleasant, that's pleasant. You can hear a tone. You know, cranky 101, I want to get away from that. Or you can hear a soft, sweet, a soft, sweet, oh, that's, that's attractive. The Bible teaches that praise and worship attracts God. Attracts God. Now, when God is attracted, when God finds something that we are doing attractive, God draws near in a greater measure of His presence. We know God is everywhere, but He's not everywhere in the same way. He's not everywhere in the same measure or dimension. And the Bible teaches, as we draw near to God, James 4 and 8, He draws near to us. One way we draw near to God is by praising Him and drawing near to Him. When Psalm 22, the Bible says that He inhabits the praises of His people. So as we praise Him, it says God is, is moved by that. And God says, you know what, I'm going to come. I'm going to come and sit. I'm going to come and sit in that. Oh, God. I've worked with some men that God has used in the gifts of the Spirit in just really special ways. One was my pastor. The other one, one of my mentors. And they both told me the importance of praise and worship and really creating the atmosphere for the miracles of God. They both had both different ministries. One was a prophet. I mean, just powerful. The other, God or you, he'd open uh, blinded eyes, ears. But they'd say it's that praise and worship that really brings not only people's faith and focus, but it also brings a greater measure of that anointing and that power. Yeah. We'll look at Second Kings 3 and we'll start closing it up. Spiritual thermostat creates the atmosphere, affects the climate. Hallelujah. Here's a story about the prophet Elisha. Now, he's out there with a good king and a, not, and a bad king. And they're in a fix and they need a word from God. So they say, prophet, would you give us a word from God? He says, well... Bad king, I wouldn't give you the time of day, but because good king is here, well, I'll see what I can do. So I wouldn't even look at you or notice you. All right, go to the next verse. All right, well, you need a word. You're in a desperate place. How are we going to get a word? We need to attract God. If we want to hear from God, we better attract God. If we want God to move, well, let's attract God. If we want God to move. Are we doing anything that attracts Him? Isn't that right? Right? You can always tell someone that all of a sudden they're starting to date again. So they start, oh man, they're dressing again. My Lord, they're combing their hair. All right, you know. They're, 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 they're readying themselves. So they're trying to make themselves attractive. That's right. Isn't that right? And when you don't care, you don't care. Well, I don't know. You know, all those things change. And, 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 are you with me? That's true. That's true. Been a long time for some, but you know what I mean. Amen. <laughs> But if I, I, want, I want God to move my home. Yes, amen. I want amen. God to move my services yes. in one way. And we pray. We cry out on Tuesdays. We pray. But one way, praise and worship. 
truly sincere praise and worship and honors and exalts the Lord. It attracts Him. It brings a drawing near, a greater measure of the presence. And when His presence comes, look out. Good things happen when the presence comes. The joy, the peace, the miracles, the faith. So the prophet says, all right, all right. So bring me a harpist. Bring me a musician. Bring me a musician. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon him. We're in a place. We're in a jam. We need God. Well, we're not going to demand anything from God. We can't bully God. But, you know, we can attract God. Let's lift up a song. Let's lift up a sincere praise. And as the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came down. And the word of the Lord went forth. And the miracle of God was released. All right. I'm going to pray. I want to encourage you. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'll never reach that place of worship and praise where you need to. It is what it is. You need to be baptized. You need to press into that. You need to get into that because that will open up a whole fresh measure of being able to worship God and sing songs of praise unto God. It'll take you to a deeper place of intimacy and the ability to express that with the Lord. We want to do that. But we want to practice praise. I want you to know from this, there's so much we go on and on. I want you to know that when we gather and we begin singing songs unto the Lord, it's not just part of a tradition. It's biblical. It's commanded. It's been designed by God. That when His people gather together, they take time and just worship Him through song, through the instruments, through our praise. So when we come in, we always want to do our best to leave everything else. We all go through stuff. I got stuff. You got stuff. Amen. We got doctors appointments. We all got stuff. We're going to come in. This is God's house. This is God's day. Let's focus and let's sing. And, and, and really, you can break it down. Praise and worship. Pray, very simply, celebration and adoration. Celebration, where there's praise, where it's more just, you know, the clapping and the thanksgiving and the worship. But then there's adoration, where it's worship, where it's, where it's a little more intimate, you know, softer. And again, I don't have time to go through all that in the Scripture, but that's what we do. So listen, understand, this is not just something. It shouldn't be an option. Come on in. Everyone's got a different temperament, personality. We know that. Everyone's got, we know that. But when you come into God's house, let's honor and worship the Lord. Amen. And just focus on Him. Trust me, no one's going to care what your voice sounds like. I, I've been croaking a lot of years. No one, they don't just, we focus and, and we pray, sing songs to the Lord. Block out everything else and just worship Him and just love Him. Amen? And let's just practice that because that brings His presence. I need His presence. You need His presence. Amen? People are hurting. People yes, need God. Yes. And one of the ways we can create an atmosphere for a greater moving of God in our midst Amen. is by the people of praise and worship. Amen? Amen. Alright, I'm going to pray and then we'll open the altar. And if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. If you just want to pray, please make yourself at home at the altar and cry out to God. Let's um, stand and we'll, we'll pray. Hallelujah. God is so good to us. Amen? God is so good. Because here, here, here's, here's the deal. Can I give you the deal? The, the, the deal is I love everyone. And you never want something, you know, something to be cranky. Oh, he's cranky, cranky. No, no, no. I'm beyond that. Trust me. I've been doing this long enough. That stuff, you know. But it's Bible. 
And there's no way we can go into a fresh dimension of God's moving if our praise and we're Pentecostal. It's what we are. It's the light we've received. And it's so important that we be a people that praise Him and worship Him and exalt Him. He's worthy of it. He's instructed it. He's encouraged it. And hey, even though He's the focus, guess what? We get the greatest blessing. Amen? (laughs) He's the focus, but as we minister to Him, He draws near to us. He comforts our hearts. He heals our hurts. He touches our loved ones. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We want to thank you, Lord. You've been so good to us. You've been so good to us, Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to really understand and appreciate the power and the importance of our praise. And help us, Lord, to exercise it faithfully. To find great joy in doing so, for it is a good thing. It is a good, good thing to give praise and honor to the one that is worthy of it all. Now, Father, as we just spend a minute praising you, singing songs of honor and glory, Lord, I pray that you would draw near. And I pray, oh God, that you would touch every hurting heart. That those that have come in with heaviness, oh Holy Spirit, break the heaviness off their shoulders. Those that have come in with weary hearts or troubled hearts, Holy Spirit, give them your peace that passes understanding. Oh Father, as we express our love and praise unto thee, please draw near to us. And please touch us. Please help us. Please heal us. Please fill us afresh. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, let's worship the Lord.